Welcome to American Influencer Real Talk. I'm Christopher Crullin, CEO of the American Influencer Association. Today, we head to Nashville for a special interview with Ace Young and Diana DeGarmo. We talk about American Idol, Ace's Grammy nomination, their time on Broadway, and how social media has evolved for performers everywhere. And now, here's your host, Josh Skinner. Hi, it's Josh Skinner, and welcome to a special edition of American Influencer Real Talk live in Nashville with Ace Young and Diana DeGarmo. Hi, guys. Hello. Good afternoon. It's, it's good afternoon, good evening, and good night. How are you? Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, with COVID, I feel like I don't it's still know March. what time it is anywhere. <laughs> it's Thursday 20-something. Thursday 20-something. You have had an incredible career. Obviously, you both started on American Idol. Social media wasn't a huge thing back in the day. So I want to first ask, how did you feel back in the day? Did you think you were influential? Oh, we have no idea. Well, especially because, so when you're on the show, you know, this was 2003. So this is prior to Facebook even being a thing. Uh, MySpace was kind of just on the scene. And, uh, you know, there wasn't even TiVo or DVR or anything of that sort, which now sounds so archaic. You either had cable or you didn't know. <laughs> exactly. And when you're on the show, you're you're kept in this bubble um, for your own safety, I think, because this was also the beginning of the trolling age where they I remember during my season, the season before, I guess one artist had read a newspaper article and then found a chat room and was reading like these chat comments and the poor thing just literally disintegrated rightfully so because it was there were horrible things and so we all were kind of kept away from all of that and then you get released out into the world and whoo <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> i like to think that online people show their true simon cowell Ooh. Yes. But they don't have the courage to be Simon Cowell when they show their face. <laughs> Simon yes. does, and I appreciate that from him. But the average person that would comment on things like that wouldn't wouldn't have the courage. They would actually get a picture with you at Starbucks and then comment negatively afterwards. <laughs> really? But they'd be excited to see you. Yeah, that was kind of our first experience with social media was mostly that kind of weird... Um, uh, almost backlash because it was more more chat rooms and things like that that you would maybe find your name. You'd be like, oh, I Googled myself. Bad idea. Um, so <laughs> you would hear from your haters from the chat rooms. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Yeah, you would, they would, you know, seep into your consciousness somehow. And uh, it's so funny because now social media is such a huge part of being an artist. It's kind of like it's part of your job is to make yourself accessible on certain platforms or make yourself not accessible on certain platforms uh, if you're at that level. And uh, it was interesting because we were before that and then we kind of had to catch up into it because we're I... We're still catching up. I know. I feel like I'm still living and learning. We're, we're still live. That's why we, we thrived in theater. We're, we're live performers. We're live artists. This whole digital thing doesn't quite make sense. I don't understand how you could have a million followers on a 15-second TikTok when that's the only thing you've ever put out. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then, you know, you're, you go on stage and you perform for three hours live and you're like... Well, and you I don't have, get any followers from the, the 2,000 people that enjoyed the show. <laughs> Because they've aged out, you guys. Oh, they're they, like, well, they age with is. us. Yeah. They're, they're used to not using that 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 as well. So it's a totally different template. It's a different world. What would you say to our influencers that are young? I mean, you started at 16. You were in the limelight. A lot of our, I mean, I just interviewed a 16-year-old girl last week who has 26 million followers across all social platforms. And I literally named like 14 states in a row. And I said, that's the equivalent of all these states following you. And it blew her mind. Wow. And, and I was just, you know, so 
you kind of had that with Idol. You had yes, like 25 million people. Know. Oh, I had yeah, no idea alive. because there was no platform where I could see them all. Yeah. Um, uh, when Twitter kind of came around, I started to go, oh, oh, there are. Okay, got it. But um, yeah, I had no idea how many people really watched the show until I remember going home and just kind of seeing the mass mania around. It was it was quite interesting and a lot to take in. But uh, I'd say for a 16-year-old, my advice would be to stay genuine and remember where you came from. You know, take the trash out, wash the dishes. You're still a human. You still put your pants on one leg at a time. And if you can remain humble and genuine and um, and true to yourself, then you'll be fine. How about you, Ace? My biggest thing is don't worry about who likes you because your fan base will be your fan base. That's why it's your fan base. The other people... That's why they follow you. <laughs> they, the other people don't matter for your career. They, they, they're they giving you their first initial feelings when they watch something out of discomfort or maybe something that you brought out of them that they don't want to relive because you're going through a hard time on a song you don't know on a stage in front of everyone. Um, but it's impossible to be genuine and find yourself as an artist in front of the world's eye and also watch the show. So it just doesn't matter. Yeah, be yourself. Just truly be yourself. And That's it. It'll, I mean, it'll all come out in the wash. It's insane. I I went through a I went through kind of a a death rebirth type vibe once I got off the show. Everybody kind of does, but uh, I got off the show and we had a finale where we had two hundred million live viewers. I was traveling around the world. I couldn't go into a Seven Eleven in Sweden without people stopping me, locking up the door, and wanting pictures as you walk out. That was the height of live television. We're talking 2006. People didn't have TiVo. They couldn't record everything. It was, don't tell me what, what happened today because I'm going home to watch it on my VHS tape. And that was a weird time because for me, I didn't know if the people that came up to me liked me or not. So I didn't know if I was instantly in danger and had to protect myself because this could be a husband of a wife. The wife could have liked me. The husband could have got a divorce over the whole thing and freaked out and wanted to kill me. So that I have may, no may idea. not be a part of a true story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going to happen. So it's it's a, it was a rebirth for me. I, I I had to not care about how everyone felt, which was hard for me because being the youngest sibling of five boys, all I tried to do is diffuse fights. And I wanted to entertain and keep, keep the world going and diffuse how everybody else was feeling to make them happy. That's what entertainers do. Yeah, we want to be everything to everybody because... Our career <laughs> relies on that and our yeah. self-esteem. Exactly. So if you have yeah. 2,000 comments that are great, you look great, love the shirt. Wow, how'd you do that? How'd you hit that note? How'd you do this? But then you have one turd in the bowl. That's like, <laughs> man, I can't believe that you would even stand like that in that outfit and da-da-da-da-da. For some reason, that resonates harder because as an entertainer, at that moment, you're trying to people-please. Mm -hmm. um, because you would naturally think people that would stop to pay attention are enjoying what they're seeing. But this was such a phenomenon that even people that didn't like it were watching it because they just wanted maybe one-tenth of the show to enjoy on their own behalf so they could throw it in the face of the 90% of the other show. It was really interesting. How do you not let it affect you guys? You just learn to get tough. And, and it builds to, up a thick skin. Yeah, you gotta get you over the years. You, it's like being a duck. When ducklings come out, they don't have all of the stuff on their feathers. Their yeah. their mom kind of helps them eventually get the weatherproofing they need to survive. And that's kind of what you eventually have to learn how to grow. And it goes back to if you remain genuine and you keep in touch with your roots. I think it'll. You, you work. It works out. <laughs> that didn't quite make sense. Well, but yes. the truth is, the truth is, if you're an artist that doesn't do a live platform to find your career, and you're pushed with a label that loves you, two people that love you, 
all they have to do is say, hey, check out the new single. We love her so much. And if you love her, make sure to tell 10 friends, whatever, that will grow the fan base. On American Idol, you don't have that platform, but you have everyone watching. So people have every right to feel however they're going to feel. But the truth is, everyone really kind of loves you because of the courage you had to get on the stage in the first place. They're rooting for you. Yeah. And they almost want you to turn over how they feel and, and put it back on them. But it's a, it's an interesting thing and you get this really thick skin in the process and it really hurts your feelings in the process because people that you don't even know, for some reason you let in like a sibling and it, it hurts and then it doesn't hurt a little less and then it hurts a little less and then it hurts a little less and then all of a sudden you have a thick skin and you hope that everybody that comes up to shake your hand isn't trying to do anything bad who's been influential in your your life ace um my parents oh yeah they How were so? uh still married five boys over 50 years of life together um they never really got to that that comfort that suburbia offered in the visual eye of what suburbia was going to be when it was created before i was a child and they still haven't um so I, I really I really appreciate their drive and their hard work just to keep the ship afloat so that all of us would have an opportunity to have a quality of life. And they're still fighting, you know, they're they're still working and everybody is now because the whole world shut down. So it's 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 very interesting. I, I really respect them for their hard work. How about you, Diana? Who's been influential in your life? Oh, golly. Uh, I, I feel like I've been really lucky over the years to have so many people from so many different walks of life come into my world, and I can. So I could. I could talk about voice teachers. I could talk about you know I, my godfather. I could talk about my my wonderful brother who just retired from the military of twenty years. Wow. Um, he he was like my dad growing up. Um, his single parent household. Um, Dolly Parton. Oh, I don't know what I would do without Dolly Parton. I mean, like, whew, I don't even want to think about it. Uh, yeah, I I've always been that person. I kind of soaked up anything around me, which also sometimes makes it hard when people say hurtful things because you're like, ouch, that that was extra tender. But um, yeah, I, wow, uh, growing up, I would say my brother would be the first person that comes to mind and Dolly and um, yeah. And Patsy Cline. And Patsy Cline. Oh, yeah. golly, Patsy Cline. Her first musical influence of her life was Patsy. Picture a five-year-old Diana DeGarmo sitting on the traffic on the freeway with her head out the window asking you, a stranger, in your car if you want to hear a song. And before you can answer, she starts singing crazy. Aww. She is in love with all the art that is Patsy Cline. Yeah. What song are you both most known for? I would have to say probably Don't Cry Out Loud. I talked about it today in the office. <laughs> I played it on the way here. Yeah, it's one, if you had asked me 15 years ago that it would be so imprinted with me, still, now, I would think you were crazy. I had heard the song back when I did uh, Idol, when I sang the song the first time, but I had no idea that it would continue to be with me for this long, and I actually, I didn't sing it for a long time, um, because I kind of grew this weird love-hate relationship with the song, and I had it on my first record, and... Uh, my first record was with RCA, uh, and I needed to leave that company six months after releasing the record, and I kind of felt like everything from that record was was stained in some way, and, and I just kind of put it on the back burner. But recently, Ace and I got asked to do a, a concert together, and we had never actually done just a concert. We have done kind of little things, and we've done lots of musical theater shows together, but no— Cabaret never, or a concert. Never us as the characters. We got to play other people. So this is like, who's Diana? Who's Ace? Do a show together. Go. And so now, yes, we, we created the show. And uh, last fall, got to debut it in New York at the Birdland Jazz Club. Wow. And 
it was so fun because we ended up making a mashup of Don't Cry Out Loud and um, Drops, of, Drops Jupiter. of Jupiter, which were two songs that we both sang on Idol. So we call it Drops of Crying. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but I think the song you're most famous for is... Uh, for my voice, it yes. would be Father Figure. Yes. Um, yep. Because when it hit, it was very interesting. I, I went through some I went through some interesting push-pull with production on that song and Butterflies. But... Um, there were some there were some interesting thoughts there, and when I started saying what I was going to sing for the very first top twenty four performance, being father figure, Simon and everyone that was overseas, so Simon Fuller, Simon Cowell, all the people that were not from the U.S. loved the idea. Everybody from the U.S. was a little sensitive because there are some lines in there that can be taken sexually. I'll be your daddy. These words, they'll ring true. Hi, daddy. Right? <laughs> See? But they ring true. And, they, ha- they have some double meanings. <laughs> and, and, and hitting it hard like that, I think that was actually a really good thing for season five to break out of the pop, um, watch out what we're saying mode and actually go into what pop music does mode because pop music is always going to be a bit controversial that's why we talk about it that's why it's popular Mm. that's why it's on the edge of what we're talking about um so i felt like we got to really kind of touch that and go worldly on the song's choice instead of let's make sure the parents are comfortable and it was a blowout moment for me it was so much fun i was nervous i was shaking while i was doing it you could see in the video when you watch my lips just quivering my hands are shaking but it was a beautiful moment but the funny thing is after all of it i don't feel that I don't feel that you've heard my voiced song yet. Um, I'm a writer. The song I've had most, most of my success with is an idol bud, Chris Daughtry, It's Not Over. We wrote the chorus together during the Idol tour. I got to be a part of that. I got to go to the Grammys as a Grammy-nominated songwriter for a song that's for one of my friends. I don't think that I've hit... When I die, I don't think you've heard my song yet. I think I still have to write it. I just got chills. I love that song. That's a great song. I, oh. That's so cool. Well, this has been fun. I know. Like, where, where do you I want know. to go next? We will go yeah. anywhere. We're open books. I had so many things. We are open Sorry, books. Sorry, did we throw you a curveball? No, I, I just... I like peach I, cobbler. My yeah. favorite pie is lemon meringue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to know. I know I've been influenced by Betty Boop. I've been influenced by... No, yeah, like, I mean, you if you think... I, I know where I want to end. I okay. know, exactly. We have a mutual friend who has been a mentor to both of us. Let's talk about Billboard Magazine's Fred Bronson. Because... Oh, Fred... Uh, he actually gave me a quote for David Archuleta's interview, and the fans went crazy. And of course, David was his heart was moved. But Fred is one; he has made so many careers. So, really quick, if we could just you know elaborate on Fred Bronson. Fred Bronson and I met when I did American Idol, and he was our interviewer backstage, kind of giving all the official bios for everyone. And it was this was my first time kind of having that experience, and I was very overwhelmed with someone wanting to know about me. I was so used to kind of always just getting on stage and singing. I didn't know anyone cared to know what I thought about things or anything like that. And he was the first person to interview me like that. And we instantaneously be, just became incredible friends. And he has uh, he's actually been a very big influence in my life from that point on. I and mean, he's come to see me in everything I've ever done. We email constantly. He sends me music. I send him music. We're, we just we goofball back and forth. He's, he's like an uncle at this point. And uh, he actually married Ace and I because when we got married, we we are religious to an extent, but we were getting married in California, so, <laughs> you know, with the hippies. And <laughs> we wanted to have—it was really important to us to have someone that knew both of us as individuals before we became Ace and Diana. Mm-hmm. And 
the only person on the planet that knew both of us really well before we met was one Fred another Bronson. was Fred Bronson. And the, the amazing thing about Fred is uh, when, you, when you do a show like American Idol, they have to have a psychiatrist on stage with you everywhere you go. If you have an emotional breakdown, you go to a private room, they talk to you, make sure you're mentally stable before you walk out to get on a van and see a bunch of fans in a line go into that van. Um, they're very, very in tune with how you're doing. Now, again, it's a production, so when you do break, they want to capture it on camera and then make sure you're okay. But Fred was, he was like the the father figure, not to go back to the song that I sang, but he was literally the father figure to the children that were on the show and almost a brotherly figure to the grown-ups. So for me, Fred was a, he was like a brother. And we would openly communicate and talk about how we're doing and what we're excited about. And, and, and I would actually rather talk to him than the psych. Because he was more comforting yeah. than the person that was there for my emotions. And, and Fred <laughs> he's was, a gentle man. He is, and he's a brilliant man. Beautiful he, soul. Fred is the guy that could, he could be in a room, not say a word, and he's like sunlight of yeah. energy. So you know there's, a, there's such a calm under his skin that he has seen so many things that he may or may never tell you. Um, and he, he, If you're lucky. Only if you're lucky. <laughs> Fred even wrote an episode of Star Trek. Yes. He is amazing. He's yeah. done, and he's met everyone and knows... So many facts. Fred, it's crazy. Fred gets the, the title in the room where it happens. Because if you ask him anything, he's been in the room for everything from Beatles to now. Yeah. Like any of that. He's been in Dinner every with single the room. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like and best for, friends with ABBA, you know. Yeah. Just, when we asked no big him, deal. When we asked him if he would marry us, he, he had to get a certificate. He had to go get certified officiated, to yes. officiate it. And he went and did that for us. And since then, I think he's done three more weddings, uh-huh. which but is we amazing. we were his first. We broke him in. And right when it started, we're, we're standing there. We have, we have 300 people that we know too well. And Fred's standing there and he looks at us and he said, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. And the tears came out and he gathered himself and he did the most amazing arrangement of a speech that I... Could I, I, I couldn't even create it for myself, let alone for both of us. He said the, the kindest things I have ever heard about Diana, about me, and then he let us take the stage, and we ruined it! Diana, <laughs> Diana, As I'm right now, like, getting weepy, like, reliving the moment, Diana, how beautiful it was. I'm crying. Diana's reading through there. her part, and since I, when I, when I proposed to Diana, I got to say everything I wanted, but she didn't get to say much other than, yes! <laughs> so, so I didn't say much at the moment of, of my words. I said what I needed, and but Diana Fred started set the going. Bar and, and Fred set the bar, and it was so amazing. And, and we had a belly laugh moment with Diana, where she said that she would love me for eternity. And when she said eternity, I saw a devil ear come up with her, <laughs> with her, with her finger. It was like a horn coming out of her head. And I, I died. swear that was not what I was doing. I was I, crying when, because we we were all getting very emotional, like we kind of are right now. And, and Fred how was do you crying, break laughing, tears with laughter. <laughs> and it was so good. Uh, and Fred's the guy that that he. <laughs> was the anchor of the energy. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to go there if Fred didn't just calm the room, go through the emotions so everybody could go through it at the same time because it was an unreal moment for all of us and for all of our friends that are now going to be partying in the next room <laughs> until yeah. what's supposed to be midnight turned out to be 5 a.m. <laughs> and, and it was just, it was We the, saw them as we were leaving the hotel the next morning. I was like, oh, you guys haven't gone to sleep yet, have you? It was, okay. the, it was the perfect day and it was all because of Fred. Fred, oh. Fred deserves multiple 
movies and TV series about his life. I want to see a TV series from him when he was six years old to his, from his first day of kindergarten all the way to through high school. I want that TV series. I want to see it. I want to know it. Yes. To then, I want to see the movie from when he got out of high school to now because he deserves the it. The movie trilogy because oh he has done so many incredible things and he's just he's just the best. We adore yes. him. David Archuleta said, uh, you know, some people have baseball cards. Some people have their, you know, what they're into. He goes, I had Fred Bronson's books. He's like, that's how I learned everything. Every number one hit, the billboard charts. He's like, everything I am today, it started with Fred Bronson. So it's, it's just like, you have no idea and impact. So I think it's important to mention his, his name when I do these idle interviews because mm-hmm. he's our influence. He's our American influence. Yes. Yeah, and he he's connected with so many people across the idol verse. Um, the moment you say his name, you don't even have to say Bronson. You just say, "How's Fred?" Or, "Oh, oh my gosh, you've seen you've seen Fred? Tell Fred I said hi." Like he is everyone's uncle um, to all those contestants that came through the seasons, and we just we just adore him. He helped Kimberly Locke get her record deal with Curb Records. He personally called the record label, and she got signed. I mean. He, obviously, he's influenced my life. I mean, mm-hmm. he introduced Diana and I 12 years ago. So, thank you. It's great to meet you today, by the way. You Ace. too. Yeah. You too. Well, friends, if our influencers want to follow you, how can they follow you? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Diana D, just the letter, Young, because that is my married name, and somebody else stole my name, and they won't give it back. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, and you can follow Ace uh, on there, at Ace Young. He actually has his name. I did. I had to get it from <laughs> someone named ha- Hassan in, in Sweden, because his name meant Ace in Swedish. Oh. So I looked him up, I put up my album cover and tagged him on it, and I said, your name is available. How about you take your name, and I take mine? And he wrote in the comments, within five minutes, how about you send me this album, and I'll give you your name. Within five minutes, my name was available, I had my name, we were done, and and I mailed an album to Sweden. (laughs) Please tell me you signed it. Oh, of course. I did, I did. And I still follow him. I follow he and his family on on Instagram. And he comments, and he'll be like, oh! Nice to see you guys having a good day or whatever. Yeah, and I only do Instagram. I I, uh, I don't do Facebook. Diana does Facebook. I do. And you are? Diana DeGarmo Young. On Facebook. And Diana DeGarmo on Twitter. And I am Ace Young on Twitter, but I don't look at it. See, this is how you, we tell you that only like, Instagram. we, we came up to the social media world at different times. And so, you know, back before there was a team to go, okay, we need to acquire all these names. We were like, oh, Twitter? What's this Twitter say? Oh, okay, I guess I'll get one of these. Oh, Instagram? Oh, yeah, sure, okay. Well, this was before people had their names. So I created like a goofy little, a daisy a day <laughs> name. And then all of a sudden, they were like, oh, no, you're supposed to have your name. Like, oh, okay, well... Some person in the universe with my picture, of course, got my name, and I just messaged out, reached out to them, and they said, yeah, we'll give it to you for X amount of money, and I went, oh, well, you can keep it. Um, And now, you know, but it's just, it's, that's a part of our story, too, it's like, you know, we're just going with the flow of the of the social media platforms. It's funny that you say that. In the early 2000s, when I was trying to be a celebrity, and, you know, you just felt that immediately, um, I had a joshskinner.com, and I saved it for, like, 12 years. Sounds sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to joshskinner.com. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, Show a little skin. Yeah, Show a little skin. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> what kind of site are you running? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, then... then it's you, hot. I'm wearing a tank t- yeah, top. Exactly. Come on. Exactly, yeah. Skinny as skinner. Um, but then I didn't care anymore, and so I just let the domain go away. And then two years later, someone purchased it. 
And then I got a message. I didn't even want it. They emailed me and said, hey, do you want your name back for $1,200? Isn't that crazy? I was like, you can keep joshskinner.com. I don't care, but... Yeah. We, I lost my, my web domain by a day oh, uh, because th- we were in transition and somebody just didn't get it. And I was like, oh, yes, I have to do that. And I went to go log back in and I went, um, wait, what? And it was in the thousands they, that they wanted, mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars. And, you know, just popular enough, right? And Not popular enough to afford all these things. Right? I was but like, we're popular I enough for people don't to, have, to ask you know, it. a cool 40 grand <laughs> to give you for a website. Like, oh, yeah. It was... At first, it was just astronomical. I would rather and get a house. So we just or a waited. Car. Yeah, yeah. We got these like random little websites, and then slowly over time, you know, people finally gave up, and I was able to swoop in and buy it again. And yep. I, was, I remember that was only like two or three years ago that I was able to purchase DianaDeGarmo.com again. Well, I should clarify. I'm not saying I'm worth twelve hundred dollars. Oh. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> You're worth a lot more, sir. We are all priceless. Yes. Even the people that steal our stuff are priceless. They just haven't found their worth in life yet. Well, thank you so yeah. much for being on our Influencer Show. After COVID's over, we'd love to invite you to our actual award show. We'd love to have you on the red carpet. and amazing. And get you. you. You know, I'll send you some of uh, great products, too. Yeah. I will not yeah. say no yeah. to yeah. that. So I got some great beauty products for you. Oh. And Ace will get you some face wash. <laughs> I, I the still, man does his hair. He, you know, I, I wash my hair. Yeah, I every now and then, every few days. We've got some connections for hair every few days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just Monday, Wednesday, Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Blur's day, blur's day. Oh yeah, blur's day, blur's day, Only the month of March. <laughs> <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> when is that? <laughs> well, Diana and Ace, thanks again for being on the show. I hope you were inspired by my interview with Ace Young and Diana DeGarmo. Now you can keep up the latest episode of our podcast by visiting us at AIAawards.com and by subscribing to our show on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to follow us on social media at AIA Real Talk Podcast. That's AIA Real Talk Podcast. American Influencer Real Talk is produced by Christopher Krellen, Bethany Krellen, Josh Skinner, and it's edited by our friends at Lasting Media. Original music composed by at Joshua Hendricks Music. And now, here's our CMO, Bethany Krellen. Thank you for listening to the American Influencer Real Talk. We hope you enjoyed. We are so passionate about all of you, our fans. We want you to be part of the AIA family. You can check out our beauty bundle, which supports our influencer community at AIAawards.com. Want to be a guest on the Real Talk? Send us a message on social. We can't wait to stay connected with you all and don't miss the next episode next week. Mm -hmm.